Hello again, everyone, and welcome to today's show. If you're one of the 130 million people that are dealing with SIRS, Lyme disease, autoimmune disease, or other conditions that are impacted by mold on a daily basis, and you need to learn how to eliminate that exposure, then you're in the right place. My name is Brian Carr, and you're listening to Mold Finders Radio. Hey everyone, what's going on? Really excited for today. I've been trying to talk to this person for a long time. She doesn't know it. I've kind of been like creeping on her Instagram and she had no idea that it was happening. And then finally, it's like when you're in school and you kind of get your friend to like introduce you to the other friend and then all of a sudden you're like talking to that person. That's what happened here. So not to creep you out to start, but hey, super excited to be talking to you. Everybody, this is Dr. Carrie Jones. Carrie, how's it going? Oh, and now we're, we've decided we're best friends. So we We went from creeper mode all the way through to straight up best friends. So this is great. This is a lesson to learn. Teach your kids this, let them listen to this. You, you creep on someone, you get a soft introduction, you'd be cool. And now they don't know how creepy you were. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Anyway, uh, Carrie, doctor, I don't know how you want to introduce Carrie. Oh, Carrie, I'm informal. Got it. So, so Carrie's the, she's the head of medical education at Rupa Health, which is this really cool platform. Um, and so I will not explain it. I'll let her explain who she is and then we'll kind of get into stuff. So tell everybody who you are. I am a women's health and hormone doctor, which is what I'm super excited to talk about today. I known since I was very young that women's health and hormones is what I wanted to go into. And I actually say this a lot. I was uh, despite the lack of accent, I grew up in Kentucky. And, um, so in my formative years, when you have health class and science class, it was taught by my high school football coach. So you can imagine how that went. And then when I got into medical school, I realized so many things I didn't know about biology, physiology, even as being a woman, like somebody who has a period and all this stuff. And so when I graduated, my patients were like, I didn't know that. I'm like, did you know this about estrogen? Or do you know this about progesterone? Do you know this about your hormones? They're like, had no idea. I would have women, menopausal women who've had children. Like Carrie, I don't know how I got pregnant. Like I just did and had kids and here we are. And I didn't know. So it became real passionate for me to stay in this field of women's health and hormones because there's a lot of misinformation out there on what it is, what it means, what's happening. And, uh, Now I am the head of medical education at Rupa Health, which is a platform for practitioners to basically order all of their functional, conventional and functional testing on one place. So it's kind of like Amazon for lab testing for doctors, nurses, nurse practitioners, PAs, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So is it a place that consumers can go or they have to have a doctor? Not yet. You have to have a doctor. Yeah, you have to have a doctor door. Yep, most of this lab work, a lot of this specialty lab work, you have to have a practitioner of some sort, license of somehow to order it for you. But I know we're going to talk about this. I'm very excited to talk about, because I know people listening go, oh, well, I've had lab work. I had, you know, I had a whole, I, I've, I've had quote a full lab work up and I'm fine. I'm like, ah, but you don't feel fine. I bet you yeah. didn't. <laughs> <laughs> is that we're gonna I'm probably gonna like make this connection multiple times so like you know most people listen to this obviously there's a health component that's why they're even thinking about mold listen people that aren't feeling it don't care right so like usually there's a health component that's why they're there but 
know a lot and have heard me ramble on a lot about all the house stuff. And the biggest thing is kind of what you just said, right? Like, oh, we had somebody come in, they did X, Y, and Z. We, there was no problem. Ultimately, it just like, it pushes yeah. their timeline back like two or three or four or five years, sometimes longer. There's, I mean, there's just all these things. So like really understanding like what makes up like a comprehensive testing panel and what you're looking at, like that stuff's all super important. So I will say this before we get into it. I'm not a woman. I don't have women's hormones, but I know that a lot of women, even more so than men are impacted by this and obviously a lot quicker than men are in, in different cases. And the majority of my uh, listeners, I don't know if people know this or not, but it's, it's mainly women that listen to me. Um, they don't see me a lot. So it's gotta be my, my voice, probably. your podcast voice. Yeah. It's a it's turn on podcast voice and then everybody likes it. Um, but anyway, so I'm going to be asking questions. Like, I don't know what the hell's going on. Um, and so some people listening might know some of this stuff, but I feel like if we kind of start from like that point, I'm like, Hey, you're talking to somebody who has another stuff. We could kind of like connect the dots throughout and hopefully sort of like, um, yeah, it just kind of makes sense of all of this stuff. So I'm going to start, I'm going to start at the beginning. I feel like we've all heard of hormones and we kind of have an idea of what that means, kind of. I'm in the kind of feel like I get it. There's hormones. If they're out of whack, that's not good. That's kind of my understanding. I know Hashimoto's messes with your thyroid, which messes with your hormones. This is the extent of my understanding of, of hormones, really. So, so before we dive into more specific things, why don't we just do like a quick one-on-one on like, what are hormones? Why are they important? Why is this a thing that we're even worried about? Well, the good thing is that everybody has hormones. So, you know, not just women. And as you know, <laughs> uh, hormonal quote afflictions affect everybody. So even though women's health and hormones is my area, I did a fair number of men's health in my career, just because there are a lot of men in women's lives. And so they would say my father, my husband, my partner, my brother, my son are having all these very similar symptoms. Could it be their hormones and can you help them? So even though the majority of your listeners are female, I bet they have somebody in their life that when they get to the end of this, they're going to go, oh yeah, he's got problems too. It's related. So I will predominantly talk about women, but obviously men can be affected, but a hormone is essentially it's a, we call it a chemical messenger. It's a text message. It's a text message that comes from your brain to start and then goes down to what are called your glands. So you have ovaries, you have adrenal gland, you have a thyroid gland. Well, you don't have ovaries, but testicles, right? Like you have, you have a I should have jumped in. Right. I, jumped I was in. waiting and you didn't. My bad. Um, <laughs> So glands. So then the text message goes down to the glands and then a different hormone, a different text message goes out. So whether it's thyroid hormone, it's testosterone, estrogen, progesterone, insulin, growth hormone. We have a tons, we have tons of hormones, lots of hormones. And those hormones then bind to receptors, kind of like a key in a lock, so to speak, uh, and activate, they do the thing. They turn something on, they turn something off in your body. So when we hear somebody say, oh, it's my hormones. Oh, I'm feeling so hormonal. I'd like my hormones tested. What they actually mean are their male and female reproductive hormones, testosterone, estrogen, progesterone, maybe something else called cortisol and DHEA. Even though in the medical field, the word hormones is very large. We forget insulin. Oh my gosh, insulin's a hormone. That's to do with blood sugar, right? It does. Growth hormone has the word hormone attached to it, but we don't think of those. Prolactin, when you're breastfeeding, totally a hormone. Um, but when we say we're hormonal, we're thinking sort of the key players in our reproductive hormones. 
Got it. So basically, most of us don't know what we're talking about. And so it's, it's talking with someone like you or learning from someone like you of trying to kind of connect how you're feeling to that it could potentially be like a hormone issue that's beyond like yeah. the reproductive ones. That kind of what we're talking about here. Yeah. And the reproductive ones are uh, easier <clears throat> to figure out, especially if you are a cycling woman, you get a period because usually she will say, I feel hormonal one week of the month or two weeks of the month, or my periods are terrible, or my PMS is awful, or I'm trying to get pregnant and I don't know if I release the egg, which is called ovulation. So that's very easy for us practitioners to hone right in and go, oh, you are talking about these hormones, estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, whereas broader hormone symptoms, I'm tired, I have brain fog, I get headaches, um, I, uh, get even, even anything related with fertility, um, skin stuff. My hair is falling out. I'm depressed. I have a panic attacks. All of these are much more broader symptoms that still can be related to dysfunctional hormones. Um, but they can be related to lots of things as you know. Right. And mm -hmm. so, um, those do require some more workup to see what's going on. And just because it may be hormonally related doesn't mean that the hormone is the end all be all something is causing those hormones to react. Right. And as I'm hearing you list out these symptoms and you said it, like, it's not just hormones that trigger this stuff, but this is all, I mean, I've literally had clients that said every single one of these things that yep. was happening to them. Yeah. Um, and obviously there's a, there's an environmental factor that I focus on. Right. So we know yep. there's stuff going on in the house that's triggering that. So then the question comes up and maybe eh, we'll skip we'll do this now so then the question comes up is if if we're trying to find obviously like the root of what it is i think that's like every, this whole like phrase root cause is obviously like the biggest thing that flies around everywhere and it's fine yeah. like it's completely valid i think it kind of gives some sort of visual concept of what, like what we're trying to do but it's also this term that's thrown around so much and then it's like okay so now we have environment we have hormones we have this we have that we have that we have that and how do you sort of maneuver your way through all of that stuff? And is there like a hierarchy of things or a tiered way that you're supposed to go through those things? And obviously it's different, but like, do you always start environment? Do you always start somewhere else? Like, where do you start like this process? Because brain fog can be a bunch of stuff. That it causes can be that. a bunch of stuff. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I always, I've been saying this, I love saying this. So hormones are dramatic. They're like, you know, they, they're like Mariah Carey. So they're, they're extremist. They're the first to react or the last to recover, but they're reacting to something. So when somebody says, Carrie, I feel hormonal. Can you test my hormones? Absolutely. We can test your hormones. I test the hormones. I'm like, yep, you, you were right. You know, your body, you're definitely, your hormones are quote off. There's dysfunction here in your hormones from what I expected, but the hormones being off are not the end of it. That's not where the rabbit trail stops. We have to keep going. Why are your hormones off? Are they off because your environment or is it off because of mold in the house? And that's setting off your immune system and setting off the way that you create hormones. Is it because of viruses? Is it because of stress? Is it because of, you know, inflammation for other reasons? You keep eating foods, you know, you shouldn't eat, but it continues to irritate the lining of your stomach and your intestines and that domino effect affects your hormones, right? So it's, so now we get into this, the importance, just like you talking about somebody's 
environment and their house and tell me everything about your house, when you got it, moved in, water damage, et cetera, et cetera. I'm asking the same questions, but from a health standpoint, when did you get these symptoms? How long, how, where are they related to, et cetera, et cetera. So I can figure out which rabbit hole I need to go down. For example, brain fog. Somebody says, I'm starting to get brain fog, but they're 52 years old. And I say, did you used to have brain fog? Oh no, super sharp, not a problem. It was great. I'm like, well, when did you notice changing? When I was going through menopause, when I was losing the hormone estrogen, I started to get brain fog. I'm like, all right, while it could be mold, it could be virus, it could be stress, it could be all the things, absolutely. I know that's a massive contributor to there. On the flip side, if somebody is 32 and they say, my brain fog is terrible and it started when I moved into this house, it started when I um, uh, was going through a massively terrible divorce. My stress was a 10 out of 10. And I noticed that my, my brain wasn't as well as it could be. Uh, it started um, because I never really recovered from COVID. Like I still have lingering symptoms, right? These are when I'm just like you, I'm counting back to figure out where do I need to go? If it started when they moved into a new house or apartment or whatever, I'm not like, oh, it's gotta be estrogen. I'm like, oh, <laughs> it's, you know, like we have to be over right. here with this, with this rabbit trail. And as you said, with root cause, root cause singular is just, is just never it. It's, it's always root causes. It's, it's a multiple factor. So it is, I understand people want to find the root cause. I mean, I work for a root cause company, uh, but we know it's like a spider web. If you pluck one end of the web, the whole thing is going to vibrate. And it's the same thing in your body, like multiple factors come in to build you as a spider web. And, and therefore they can affect you, your whole system inside and out. It's never just one thing. Wouldn't it be nice? It was just one thing. If, thing, it, if we done. came with a manual, that's what I would just like, 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 oh, how old are you? Let me just flip to that page and figure out. Got it. All right. Here's what we're going to do. Oh my gosh. I'm now wishing I had that for my kids. That <laughs> <laughs> the how-to manual. I know. I think a lot of people, definitely a lot of people. Make Why is it today? Scary. You're acting like this every other day. What is it I know. today? That's called, I don't I know. know what to you do. You can just like, just... you can just flip to Tuesday. Oh, okay. Yes. Oh, yeah. Dehydrated, you, haven't eaten. Got it. Let's be, let's fix this. You just want to be a superhero. I get it. Okay, <laughs> that's that's what it is today. My bad. Um, she's in superhero mode. My oldest right now. It's hilarious. She's like oh, running around okay. the house with a cape and a mask on, and she's like fighting crime and like doing all these things. It's very funny. Good for her. Um, Start her young. Nice. I know. I know. Um, okay, so there's all these things that impact hormones, right? So yeah. we're not going to have time to get into like everything, obviously. So. It's a mold show. It's an environment show. Let's focus on that stuff. Um, Makes sense. It's a mold show. Whoever grows up, like I'm going to have a mold show. Nobody. nobody. But that wasn't <laughs> on your second grade, which you're going to be when you grow up. <laughs> Definitely was not what I went to school for. Um, so anyways, so environmental impact on the body, how that triggers a hormone issue. I know there's like multiple ways this happens. It's not like one way it happens, but like you want to maybe kind of go into a couple of like the main ways that might happen. Yeah. I'll hit, actually hit the two big ones. So when you make a hormone, um, because it's a text message, it starts in the brain and all of our hormones, um, all of our reproductive hormones, estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, they are actually then made in our cells in an organelle called our mitochondria, which we all learned in school is, is their cellular powerhouse. That's the first step it goes. So from the brain, we get a signal from the brain down to, let's say the ovary to make estrogen. 
So our mitochondria kicks off that step. So let's take molt. Let's you now live and you've moved into your house. You did an air quality test. It was fine. But as we know, that's crap. So it turns out you there's like tons of mold damage in the crawl space and it just got missed. What that mold does is it triggers an immune response in the body. It's It can be low grade for some people and it can be high grade for other people who act like canaries in the coal mine. Either way, it's an immune response. So when you have an immune response, it's going to trigger all these immune system text messages. It's going to trigger your stress text messages, cortisol, adrenaline, which is epinephrine. These all feed up to the brain and go, ah, you know, she seems like she's got a lot of immune system stuff going on. There's a lot of stress happening. We're not really sure what's going on. Let's not make estrogen as much this month, or let's not make progesterone as much this month. So the brain's like totally cool because her having balanced hormones is not important for survival. The, the immune system is important for survival. Cortisol is important for survival. Glucose is important for survival. Making sure you have progesterone, not important for survival. So the brain's like, got it, not a problem. I will shift the way she makes hormones this month, resulting in hormonal symptoms. That's from the brain. Now the mold itself, the mold of mycotoxin itself, we know is damaging to the mitochondria. So hormones, I always say are, you know, they're dramatic. They're like Mariah Carey. Mitochondria are fragile. They're fragile. They're super ridiculously important but the stupid things are like bubbles, like they pop super easily. So you now have mold and mycotoxins impacting the way your mitochondria do and don't function. So totally affects the way you make hormones. If the mold and mycotoxins haven't affected the mitochondria, not only are you not gonna make ATP, which is our cellular powerhouse energy, so now you're tired, you're not really gonna make hormones the way that you should. So it's going to cause you to feel hormonal. So what most people notice though, right away is I feel hormonal. They're, I'm tired. My periods are weird. My PMS sucks. I can't get an erection. My libido's down. Like what's the deal? But we backtrack and go, oh, moldy house, mold and mycotoxin. This is what's affecting you. That might be the best explanation I've heard of all of that. <laughs> um, <laughs> you looked at my eyes are just looking down. I'm just like taking notes the whole time. So I can like learn from this stuff. I'm getting a one-on-one -on -one from, from yeah. like the person to get this on. Sorry, everybody's getting one-on-one. -on -one. I just get to ask questions. Um, this is cool. The, I'm just like rethinking through this. So, so the two main ways, so the, and, and the one, the one I think everybody knows more of is the whole mitochondria piece. I think that one's just easier to understand. You have mitochondria, they're your energy source. It messes up your energy source. It doesn't work as effectively, causes problems, right? Now you can't, you know, create all the things you need to do. The thing about how, which completely makes sense, but like your brain is like, oh, there's a stressor over here. So I'm going to reallocate resources over here to handle that thing. And in doing that, it doesn't put the resources that you kind of need over somewhere else. Yep. Makes complete sense. Yep. Um, I, I read an analogy. It's not my analogy. Uh, it's my, uh, one of my mentors, Dr. Tom Williams, he did a presentation and he said, Think of a highway, your car is going down the highway and your emergency services have to use the same highway. So when there's an accident, the fire truck and the police and highway patrol are coming down, everybody has to get out of the way, stop and get out of the way because the same resources use the highway. It's the same, it's, you, it's exactly what you said. If you have an immune issue, stressor, something in the body, it's this, your resources don't get split, they get reallocated save the body at the expense of 
less important things. A classic example is hair loss. Per, oh, wow. Per, right. And men and women, because they, especially women, they will say, I'm losing hair all over my head. Why am I like, make it stop, make it grow back. Hair on our head is not critical to living. Absolutely big fan of hair on the head. I have a lot of it. I inherited a few things from my dad. Beautiful hair on the head is one of them. I'd prefer to keep it. But when I'm stressed out, when I'm sick, after I've been sick, resources have to get allocated. Growing my hair is not important to survival. So stress is a big reason for that all over hair loss. When you sort of shed like a, like a, like a lab or a golden retriever, right? It just like poofs out. Like it's, that's a big reason. Until the I body shifts relate. back that you, <laughs> yours <laughs> so, yeah. is a little different. So <laughs> men's is a little bit different sometimes, but with that all over stress hair loss, that's a big, it's again, resources have to get allocated. Wow, Ovulation that's... is not a priority. Hair growth is not a priority. Skin care is not a priority. So people will say, I look older. I don't heal as fast or I'm breaking out more. I get bruised easier. Like what the heck? I'm like, oh resources are getting allocated. It's not the only reason, but it's a big one, especially lately. Wow. That's awesome. That's super cool. <laughs> Unless you're oh, living yeah. it, then it's not awesome. Then you're like, dang it. <laughs> no, that's true. Sometimes I get excited about things like, oh, that's so awesome. Some right. reason, the right? nerd but, part, right? The nerd, the, yeah, the part nerd of us part is, is like, like oh, oh, that's amazing. And then you're like, oh, yeah. wait, not to the yeah. person going through it. Yeah. But actually, I mean, it, you know, on the other side, some of the stuff, I mean, it sucks, obviously. I had my own story. People have heard it, right? I've had my own things. Definitely not to like the extreme that a lot of people deal with, mm -hmm. but enough to where like I have ongoing skin things that trigger when I get, you know, there's like stuff I'm working through too. Yeah. Um, we all have claim. weaknesses too. So like, for example, if skin is your weakness, si the sinuses are my weakness. So if other people, it's their lungs. They get their asthma gets triggered. Other people, it's joints. They're like, all of a sudden, my, my, my you know, hip flares up or my knees flare up. So people listening may also notice if they get, if they're, they've remediated mold, they've worked through mold, but then they go stay in a hotel that's moldy. And they're like, crap, my symptoms are coming back. You know, like for me, it might be sinuses. Like all of a sudden I get a sinus. Infection. I'm like, dang it, I worked through this. But it's the weak point in the body, and that's right where the mold and the mycotoxins go. For you, it might be skin. For somebody else, it might be their knee pain, you know, et cetera. And, and, but we also see it for hormones. So somebody will say, I went and stayed at, you know, I'm work from home. I went and stayed at an Airbnb. I didn't realize how moldy it was, and it really screwed up my hormones. I had migraines, you know, my periods were heavy. Like I realized I thought I had it figured out, but my body went right back to the weak point. When that happens, tangent um and let's say you leave the airbnb because you're only there for a short period of time i'm sure people it's different but like what's the bounce back look like if you've kind of handled the initial thing yeah. and then you just sort of get like a re-hit like that and honestly everybody's different so i've heard everything from it sent me back a couple months to thankfully it's been a while i've done a lot of work uh that my body was able to bounce back right away and um that's the most encouraging when somebody says you know, we stayed at an Airbnb in Florida for a week and I, you know, knew it was mold, felt like crap by the end, but we left. And by the next week I was much better again, because all I had to do was just leave the area. Whereas other people who are still working through, uh, he their healing process, it mm -hmm. obviously, unfortunately can set them back, but the goal yeah. is to bounce back quickly. The goal is for the, always, always for the body to be able to 
just to, the resiliency to be able to go, I got you. Yes. Yeah, so optimize that reaction that happens. Right. Yeah. So yeah, that makes sense. Um, I don't know why I just got an allergy of a hangover is my reaction of something. It's like, oh, like you drink, you have a hangover for a day, then you're fine the next day. It's like- <laughs> so it, Right, and right, exactly. Exactly, it's kind um, of the same. Yeah, you, you know why? Because now that I, you know, kids and I, you don't drink anymore. I, if I have two drinks, I'm like, ah, why, why? I feel like crap. Like I should just like, like 20 year old me would be laughing at me now. The 40 year old yeah. me, it's like, it's a different world right now. Sometimes uh, I talk to my liver. Sometimes I have, I have a like stern conversation with my liver. I'm like, <laughs> you're better than this. Like we can go to a wedding and have two drinks. Thank you very much. You're better than this. And my liver's like, nope, not anymore. <laughs> like pregame talks. Like, listen, tonight's right. a big yeah. game. All right. <laughs> yeah. We got to bring our A game tonight. Right. So and so's getting married. There's yeah. going to be champagne. There's going to be shots. We are going to be a party now. All right. Anyways. Um, um, even if we just want like a drink, right? Like two drinks. Yeah. I'm like, I just would like a second glass of wine, please, at this wedding. No. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So that was all good. So let me, so let's kind of go in. So we've talked about how there's kind of different ways that this stuff works and it's like, okay, so if hormones aren't the primary thing and they're a symptom, we're trying to figure out what the root, what the primary thing is. How do we get to that point? There's a million tests out there. So let me kind of put this in two questions. What is the equivalent of the indoor air quality air sample in your room um, <laughs> on your end of things? Yeah. Uh, and then secondarily, what would you do to actually do that the right way to yeah. achieve the goal that people think they're getting with that type of sample? People go to the doctor, doesn't matter, male or female, does, I don't care. And they say, I feel, I want my hormones tested. Can you test my hormones, please? And so what happens conventionally, most of the time, is that their doctor or primary care will run what's called a CBC, which is a complete blood count, red and white blood cells. They will run a metabolic panel, which is like your kidney, liver, glucose, some electrolytes. And if you're fasting, and depending on your age and when it's been, they'll run a cholesterol. And that's it. That's what they will run. I have seen it time and time and time and time again. Um, and those three markers are helpful. I'd like to know your red and white blood cells. I'd like to know your glucose. I hope your liver's okay. Um, and you know, cholesterol is great, but it doesn't honestly tell me very much about your literal hormones. What are your hormones doing? Even thyroid, like there's no thyroid marker in that vitamin D is a hormone. Like there's no vitamin D test in that estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, no, none of that in that group. So that's the equivalent to me when they bring me their lab work and say, my red and white blood cells are normal. I'm like, that's great, <laughs> but it's not your hormones. <laughs> the other thing I do find a struggle with um, to be an equivalent is timing. So in, in men, men make testosterone through the night and it should be highest in the morning. So when men say to me, I got my blood drawn at four in the afternoon because that's when my appointment was. I'm like, well, that's great, but that doesn't tell me your potential to make testosterone. You should have gotten it before 9 a.m. in the morning. Women are on a cycle. So when, let's say they do go see a great primary care who chooses to run their, some hormones on them, which is wonderful, because they're in the clinic that day in the lab, they will just run their hormones. And sometimes it's the wrong timing of the cycle. For example, the hormone progesterone only comes out half the month. The other half, it's very, 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 very low. It should be. The second half of the cycle, which is what we call this, the, this, the part of the cycle right before her period, it should be quite elevated, progesterone should be. So if somebody said, I got my hormones tested, 
I'm told my progesterone is near zero. I have to look at the timing. Well, where were you in your cycle? Because if it's day one, day seven, day four, it, it should be that low. That's normal. So they should have tested you after the fact. And so that's like mistake number two is getting the timing wrong in males or females. So when, so that timing is consistent, obviously all the time, right? In theory. Yes. So, yes. so if you're doing the second one with women, is there, when should, should you be in the middle? Should you be one? Should you be the other? Or do you have different scales, like comparison points based on where they are in their cycle to then compare yep. on that? So assuming she has a, let's say a regular cycle, a typical ish cycle is like 28 days long, roughly. Okay. And so let's say she's like, yep, every month uh, when I track it, I get it every month, once a month. So ideally she will test her hormones in the, what we call the second. So five to seven days after ovulation or to make it super generically easy, lab test companies will say test on day 19, 20, or 21 of your cycle. Day one is the first day of your period. First day you bleed, that's day one. Just count forward 19, 20 or 21 days, and then test then. So if you're at your doctor's office and you're on your period and your doctor says, all right, let's test your hormones. Say, whoa, 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 I'm on my period. I wanna count forward and get tested at the right time. If somebody listening to this is like, well, I'm menopausal. I haven't had a period in years. It doesn't matter. You can test your hormones whenever because you don't say Got that. it. And men Got can it. test whenever day of the month, obviously. It's the time of day that matters for men. Got it. So they should be doing it in the morning. Yeah. These things sound so simple and easy. Like it's like, why? A lot of it's convenience because you're already at the doctor's office or your primary care, you know, your nurse practitioner or PA or whatever. And so they're like, I have you. Let's just test you because what happens is we know is people get distracted. They have lives, they have families, they have work. So to actually get out of the house again, go to the doctor or go to the lab draw station at 8am can be hard counting yeah. forward 19 days. And you're like, well, dang it, I'm on vacation in 19 days. So then you have to wait another month. So I understand the convenience factor. It's, but now you've had a blood draw and it's not that it's not accurate. It's just not as helpful. And I want it to be as helpful as possible. And I would hate yeah, to do it twice, right? Like if I get lab work and I'm like, mm, I need you to do this again. You know, people are like, I hate blood draws. I'm like, I know. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, that, so I, I had COVID a couple of weeks ago for the first time oh, and I went and did, yeah, hooray. <laughs> and I went and did the antibody thing. And um, the person, this is just a fun fact story for those of you who haven't heard because um, I haven't told anybody. Uh, so I did that and the person doing my blood draw, like couldn't get my vein basically. Um, and I was so drained. And so just worn out from obviously what was going on. I passed out in the chair from the, from just like yeah. the, the, the pain. And then the, like the, just the, all the energy that goes out when you're like, oh, whatever. And then I like pass out in the chair, <laughs> I wake up, there's like eight nurses, like screaming at me. <laughs> like, what's going Are on? Are you okay? Wake up. You breathing? Like, like, oh yes. my gosh. Yes. The vasovagal response is real. Yeah, it'd be better yes. if they just got the vein. That would have been better. Then this wouldn't have happened. <laughs> anyway. Which is funny because um, I can see like when you held your hand up, you look like you have good veins, at least today. Oh, anyway. I'm super, yeah, for those on video, I'm like yes. super easy. So here's what I've been told about this that nobody cares. What I've been told about this is that my veins are so easy to get to that actually when they try to push them, they move. 
Oh, like you they're, roll. They're like, yeah. Yeah. They like roll yeah. over. So like, it's super easy to find it and then trying to get into it. It's like the slippery thing that keeps like moving out of the way or that's what I'm told. Um, so the other thing with blood draws, I always tell people is to be very hydrated. So when you're sick, obviously oftentimes you don't drink as much fluid as you should, or depending on the kind of illness you had, if you've sweat a lot, vomited a lot, diarrhea, et cetera, like you're very dehydrated. And so then you go get, you get your blood drawn and your the lack of hydration makes it much harder for those phlebotomists to find your vein. So hydrate before you go. It's good to know. I didn't eat. I didn't, I like, I could barely move. I, like, I don't even know right. how I got there. I like, got in the car and drove 20 minutes away. I don't even know how it happened. And then I like pass out in the chair. <laughs> my, my Not, your like, I, Not your finest day. Not your finest. Yeah. Like, Do I need to come get you? I'm like, I mean, I'm kind of okay now, but like, you can't be in the car with me. So like, what's like, what do we, yeah. you know? And then the whole house gets it anyways. It's just like, there's no, there's no evading it. She should have just come to get me. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> this point. Anyways, sure. Everybody's really excited about that. Um, so actually, but with, uh, I will say with COVID and like, we are seeing, speaking of hormones, um, in, even though it's not mold, um, we are seeing like a lot of women who had COVID, um, any virus, it doesn't matter. It could have been the flu when we got the flu two years ago. Um, upper respiratory infections, like that can affect your hormones because again, the body's diverting resources. So you're sick fighting a fight. So it's totally possible your next cycle or two or three are not your A-game cycle because the body had to divert resources and now is recovering. Other women didn't notice a thing. They were like, nope, my, nothing changed. But a lot of women noticed a difference in their next couple of cycles after getting infected, just because it's the nature of the game when you're sick. Yeah, I've actually heard from a couple of people that I know where like after they got it, it was like one in particular, it was like the heaviest, worst it's ever been. Yeah. And it yeah. was like real, and the pain was more excessive than like everything was just like on overdrive. Yeah. And they were like, I literally just got over two weeks, you know, week and a half of this awful, like, and now this is literally the worst that this has been in my entire life. Like, when does it stop? But I mean, right. it makes sense. It's, it's Not fair fun. It it's a diversion of resources, and if, you know, and then the resources come back or they split out again. And uh, it does get better. When patients will call me and say, I was sick, my period sucks. Like, is this my new normal? I'm like, probably not. Probably not. This is probably the adjustment period. Some women especially those with long, long exposure. So either long COVID, long exposure to mold, et cetera. It is their quote new normal until it gets, we work it up and work it out. Um, but just the initial acute doesn't surprise me. Got it. Got it. Um, all right. So let's talk about, we've kind of done some of these things that I was writing down initially. So we talked about kind of where, let's do this at the end. Because this will kind of so before this, um, hormone replacement therapy. Mm -hmm. I'm just curious. So, like, we're talking, we're talking about there's reasons that your hormones are acting up. They're getting, mm -hmm. you know, there's things that are going on, right? So, simply just, and you tell me if I'm wrong. I'm literally just like guessing. So, just pumping in more of the hormone to try to refill it. It's like air in a tire, I would imagine, right? I got a hole in the tire. I could keep pumping air in the tire. The hole is still going to come out of the tire. So like, does this turn into like this long-term sort of subscription plan to hormone replacement because you haven't fixed the problem? Well, it depends on the hormone that you're using and the reason that you're using it. So for example, um, when we talk about hormone replacement therapy, remember like thyroid hormone medication is 
falls under the umbrella of hormone medication, uh, hormone replacement therapy. So it could be thyroid. It could be, you need insulin injection. That's hormone replacement therapy, um, estrogen replacement, testosterone replacement, DHEA, progesterone. We have a lot of hormones that the body can be replaced with. Some of it, you absolutely need it. If you are a type one diabetic and you need insulin, take insulin, like put air in the tire every day. This is going to be a problem. Um, but for other people, sometimes I just use it as a band-aid because sometimes I just need the hormone to give you the oomph and give you the energy and help reduce your symptoms so that making the changes is easier. Like life is easier by using the hormones. Is it the end all be all? No, again, it's a band-aid, but it can definitely sometimes make life so much better. The third scenario is, yeah, you definitely need those hormones. I mean, I, I, you know, I have, is women get older if they go through menopause and their body is just not making even menopausal levels, appropriate levels of hormones. Um, and they're starting to develop pretty significant menopausal symptoms. We know the loss of estrogen is associated with problems with the brain, problems with blood sugar, insulin problems with the heart. So joints. So it's like, you may be a candidate for estrogen replacement. Men, men who have exposures, men who've had maybe chemo or radiation, men who have, um, uh, trying to think of other big ones, even like exposures to um, heavy metals and it's affecting the way that they make testosterone. Uh, they may need testosterone replacement forever. It, it maybe they, they may have had been worked up all around and they can't, nobody can figure out why their testosterone's low or they can, but they can't correct the cause. The damage is done like chemo okay. and radiation in the history. So it's like, look, you need testosterone. It's okay. It's let's just keep putting air in the tires. So when it comes to hormone replacement therapy, I am totally a fan of it, but I do recognize it is a big umbrella and it depends on the person and the reason that it's low in the first place. So I take a lot of that into okay. account. Yeah, that makes sense. I've seen, I, you know, and obviously blanket statements are not, you can't just look at them like that, but you see yeah. things where like, you shouldn't be doing hormone replacement therapy. You should be doing X, Y, or Z. So sort of just kind of understand there's a time and place for certain things. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, it makes sense, right? Like I, most, this is, I was going to say most of the time when we hear the word hormone replacement therapy, um, we, most of the time women are mean estrogen. So they're like, oh, I'm afraid of hormone replacement therapy. Hormone replacement therapy causes cancer. I'm like, well, wait, what you actually are talking about is estrogen. That's because like I said, like thyroid falls under it. Insulin replacement falls under it. Like a lot of things fall under this umbrella. But when they're concerned and scared, it's, it's the estrogen is the hormone that they're concerned about the most. Why, why would they be concerned that that would cause cancer? Because of the estrogen related cancer. So estrogen receptor positive breast cancer, um, uterine cancer, cervical cancer can be linked to, uh, estrogen, the hormone estrogen gone rogue. But what I remind women are, first of all, estrogen related cancers are not the number one killer of women. It's cardiovascular disease. It's heart disease and a loss of estrogen accelerates that it, it contributes to that second cancer is complicated, way complicated, just like anything in the body. You cannot blame it on one thing. You cannot say, estrogen is the single cause of this cancer. There's no way. And especially, especially with all the research coming out about, um, uh, environmental impact on our tissue environment in our tissue. So let's say breast tissue. So the, our tissue in our breast is its own environment. And so if it's clogged and dirty and full of chemicals, et cetera, then it's going to be the perfect environment, the perfect storm for cancer creation. Could 
estrogen gone rogue, feel the fire. Sure. But not, it's not the single-handedly single-handed reason for estrogen, which I know is hard for a lot of women. Cause we were, we were taught years ago because of a particular study called the WHI trial that it is estrogen. Estrogen single-handedly is the reason for cancer. And now fast forward many years later, we know that's not true. It's not single-handedly the most common reason for or the, the reason for cancer. Yeah. It's so hard with like older studies that then like foundations have been built off of that. And then yeah. it gets, you know, oh, we learned something new. It's been 30 years. Well, how about that? Like we yeah. learned something new. Just kidding though, because we all grew up learning this and now like, so it's like changing a habit or something. It's yeah. like so hard to do, which is like unfortunate, you know, to get to that point. This yeah. reminded me of something you mentioned earlier before we started talking, but you were talking about research that has come out that's linked to the mycotoxins to hormone yeah. dysfunction. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah. And I call them the brave researchers because j- similar to the, this vein of like research that's changed in 30 years, it used to be people researchers were afraid to say anything about the environment or chemicals or mold or mycotoxin because they would get immediately slammed by conventional medicine or, you know, um, let's say like big pharma, et cetera, et cetera, to be like, that's not true. That's not possible. And now we are seeing it more and more, especially in the fertility research that mold and mycotoxin is being linked as a reason for fertility issues, either the creation of sperm, the healthy creation of sperm, or the ability to ovulate and release an egg because to you know, like the sperm have to meet the egg. So mm-hmm. you commonly see it in fertility research. Now, what I tell people is even though the word fertility is in that study, you can take the word fertility out and just say hormone dysfunction, hormone dysfunction in him or hormone dysfunction in her, um, mold and mycotoxins ultimately is affecting them. Cause I don't, I surely don't want to get pregnant. I am not looking to get pregnant. I don't want fertility to be a thing about me, but I do know mold and mycotoxin will screw up my ability to release the egg and therefore make hormones out the other end. So when I'm reading these studies, I'm also just broadly going, oh, mold and mycotoxin totally affecting male and female hormone production. Got it. Is this kind of what we were talking about then earlier, like the the way that mold is impacting the body and in turn impacting hormones? Is that kind of the stuff yes. that's in those studies basically yep. that you're referring yep. to? Yep. I mean, they're linking, they're going, they're, they're talking about mold. They're talking about environmental toxins or toxicants, right? Chemicals, medications, stress, childhood trauma. Like they're really starting to list out eyes wide open people. It's like, it's big, it's big that affects hormones. And I, I'm just in the field of hormones. So this is the literature that I'm reading, but you can imagine like the heart disease literature, the Alzheimer's literature, the the, the joint literature, like the you know, our bones and stuff like that's literature. I just kind of breeze over, like I touch on, but I don't have time to dig into all of it, but those cardiovascular heart doctors are probably like, ah, crap. Like they're, all of this is worsening our vessels, right? It's worsening our, our, the health of our heart, our mitochondria, the mitochondria in our heart, Alzheimer's disease. I mean, my gosh, we, they're the amount of people being diagnosed with Alzheimer's is just skyrocketing, unfortunately. And now we know that there's just so much contributing to it, everything from trauma to, to chemicals, to mold and mycotoxins, to glucose regulation. I mean, it's just scary, but I'm glad yeah, the researchers is. are being braver to say, turn over the stone, check for this, address it. Yeah. It's a, uh, I, a long time ago, I, I like came up with this concept that I called the, the, um, the new truth adoption model. And I like made this whole thing about it. I actually like it. I think episode two of the podcast is me talking about it that long ago. 
but it was it was the idea that like whenever there's a change and like oh this is kind of what the accepted truth is and then this is how long it takes for us to kind of be like oh like what we knew way back here is actually different than that right Mm -hmm. and it was like like I use cigarettes as an as like the analog as the example Mm -hmm. like going through I think it, I have to look back at, I think it was like 30 or 40 years or something from when yeah. we are, or 30 years from when we literally had research that said, this causes cancer. This is a problem to when something was actually done about it at like a realistic, like legislation type of level, not just some people, you know, trying to help, you know, and like the mold piece specifically, because that's what I was comparing it to. We're in like such the early stage of yeah. that, you know? Like there's been, there's been kind of like the crazy guy with the idea who first connected the dots way back when, and then the next stage is all of the other smart people that are out there essentially validating it and having research and proving that it's a thing. Like, this is not a crazy idea anymore. This is a real thing. Like that's where we are. There's still, there needs to be some sort of acknowledgement from some sort of like larger governmental thing. Then there needs to be legislation that's put into place. That's actually Mm -hmm. forcing people to do things for their own good, to protect them and talk about legislation all we want that's not the point of it but it's forcing (laughs) people is not actually what i wanted like it's going to come out wrong but basically like understanding we have research is driving something we're making like cognitive you know we're making decisions based on that to try to make the world a better place kind of things right i don't even know if that's ever going to happen on this front from everybody that it impacts but and it's hard it's hard in all of medicine i mean even just from the fertility standpoint i my patients would ask me all the time um, why didn't my OBGYN or why didn't my fertility mm-hmm. doctor, or why, you know, why didn't they bring this up? And, you know, one thing, one is maybe they just didn't know, which is totally fair. They have five to eight minutes with each patient. Like you, that's hard. I get that. Yeah. But the other thing is, um, especially in the world of fertility is that they have fertility services. So it's like, why would they work you up for all these things when they're just going to send you to IVF, right? They're just going to do you know, Clomid and IUI. And I'm really glad we have those available, but I also feel really bad for the patients who the system has failed them. And like none of this other stuff has worked them up. So maybe they have gotten pregnant, but it still didn't address their thyroid problem or the glucose insulin issue or, you know, mold chemicals, histamine mast cells, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so they're right back to where they were, but this time worse because they just had a baby and they're breastfeeding and that takes its toll. And so I'm like, oh my gosh, it's, I, it's, there's IVF fertility services. Um, it's just, it's just the quick fix. Oh, you can't get pregnant. We'll just handle everything. We'll just, just spend 30 grand come IVF and we got you. And so I'd, I'd so many, what I would call like patients who either didn't choose to go that route financially couldn't afford it. Or unfortunately um, it failed them. They couldn't get pregnant. And so they were like back in my office saying, what do I do? And rabbit holes, rocks, right? I'm like, I'm looking, digging into all of this. And every time they're like, why didn't my doctor look at this? I don't know. Ask them. Yeah. And, but with mold, it's very, it's very, um, it's a very, uh, on a very similar trajectory, you know, it, until we get more and more, unfortunately failed, will things not change? Yeah. I mean, the good news on that front is just like from where things were just five years ago to now, just like yeah. the understanding of it, it's like exponential and like what it was before. So, I mean, yeah. I mean, it really used to be like, I almost felt like it was this underground thing that like you couldn't even say out loud and like, you know, and now you have a platform, you talk about it, people aren't like throwing rocks at your house or anything. So I feel like at least we're getting to the point where it's okay to be, to be talking about it, but yeah. Yeah. you know, it's, it's not anywhere where it needs to be. So so let's talk about 
so you're at Rupa Health, right? So mm -hmm. you're essentially this um, um, resource for practitioners to go to, to be able to, to kind of get different types of testing for different things. Um, so if, if a doctor's coming in here and they're seeing kind of some of these basic hormone things, mm -hmm. right, that you're talking about, where, where do they start, right? Like if somebody is like, hey, my doctor ran those three things that you talked about and everything was fine and I want to go back to them and tell them, hey, do X, Y, and Z and try to figure right. some stuff out. Where are they, what are they asking their doctor? So if it's actually hormones that you want to know about, then be very, then ask for the hormones. So if you're like, I'd like to know my thyroid, but I'd like to know all of my thyroid. So I would like to know the, what we call more of a complete thyroid panel, TSH, which stands for thyroid stimulating hormone. And then the, the two actual hormones free T4, free T3. If Hashimoto's, which you mentioned way in the very beginning, those are the thyroid antibodies. So you could say, I'd like TSH. I would like free T4, free T3. And the thyroid antibodies, please screen me for Hashimoto's. Maybe somebody in their family has it. Maybe they've read a symptom error question or questionnaire and realize they have all the symptoms. So being very specific, if somebody says, you know, there's a man who's like, I'd like to know testosterone. What's my testosterone? Make sure you ask for a complete testosterone. You want total testosterone, free testosterone. You also want your thyroid checked because low thyroid is a common reason for low testosterone in men. You want to check what's called a binding protein, sex hormone binding globulin. You also want to look at other hormones like estrogen, estradiol, and DHEAS. What I'm seeing a lot in men's health is that these clinics will only hyper-focus on a total testosterone and make all their decisions based on that. And you can't, like I said in the beginning, it's like a spider web. You have to look at the broader picture. For her, I'm looking for, I, I run testosterone on her as well. I also run DHEAS on her as well, because oftentimes women are like, I'm tired, my libido's low, you know, either it's muscle, I can't gain muscle, or uh, I'm my, I feel squishy, I'm gaining weight. Testosterone and DHEA can play a role in that. But I'm also looking at her main estrogen, which is called estradiol, progesterone um, at that particular time part of her cycle. That will at least give her her hormone uh, lab work. So then she can decide and see with her practitioner, hopefully, is something off, you know, like which of these hormones is off. And then what I love is that when people go, I'm putting this on my fridge, I was right, I knew it, this is wrong, this is a completely dysfunctional. Now I can do something about it. So the doing something about it done, then does require a bigger conversation as to why is the practitioner, do you feel like her hormones or his hormones are off? Do you feel like you need to be doing mold mycotoxin testing in the body? Do you feel like you need to be doing some sort of intestinal gut microbiome poop in a cup for science type of stool test? Do you feel right? Like you feel like you need to be checking them for chemicals and toxicants like is so you're is it foods do you know they are they openly telling you like well i know i shouldn't be eating these things but i eat them anyway it's like well maybe we should food allergy test you and see what's going on and you know evaluate your gut microbiome so based on their big history then i may go into additional specialty testing got it yeah that makes sense first step do i have a problem yeah second step let's try to figure out what's causing yep. the problem right exactly yeah. exactly that makes total sense um, well, this was really helpful for me. Um, hopefully for people. <laughs> we geeked out. Too. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I love doing this stuff. Um, anything that you feel like that we should have said that we didn't say anything you want to throw out there? 
Well, I was going to say the other one, cortisol, which we didn't mention as much. Cortisol is our stress hormone. It's super important. It gets a bad rap, um, but we need cortisol for blood sugar regulation. We need cortisol to help with our immune system and inflammation. But when we have chronic low-grade irritation, like mold and mycotoxins in the home, it's going to affect cortisol. Um, so initially cortisol, what we see is it tends to go up, which is can make sleep a problem. It can cause weight gain around the belly. It can make anxiety worse. It can cause re relate with hair loss and brain fog. Your memory's not as sharp. And then over time, cortisol will drop down. Um, it, there's a feedback loop. And so the body's like, it's a lot of cortisol and will start to slow down its production. So sometimes people will say, oh my gosh, in my mold and mycotoxin journey, my cortisol is super low. I'm like, ah, I bet it was high but you've been dealing with this for so long over time, it goes down. So don't forget cortisol and stress is part of your whole journey because it plays a role into inflammation, immune system, recovery, everything. Awesome. Um, cool. So I, I saw on your guys's, um, on your guys' site that you have like, education things that are going on and like we do. resources and stuff. So we like, do. Yeah. if people want to dive more into me asking questions when I don't totally know what I'm asking and they have specific questions that they know what they're wanting to know, how, like where, where do they find that stuff? What types of things are there? Like, like how do people access this stuff? I feel like it'd be cool for people. Absolutely. So there's a couple of different options. So on the Rupa, so it's rupahealth.com. If you're an actual, if you're a practitioner, um, all of our education is geared for practitioners. We're a practitioner-based company. So we have free live classes. We have paid boot camps that really help dive into these subjects and dive into these, uh, these testing directly. And then everything on social media that we do either at Rupa Health or on my social media, which is uh, Jones, so at Jones, um, that is free. So we have a lot of information um, between social media and our blog that are in-depth sort of a functional medicine or integrative or natural holistic approach too. So you may not be a practitioner and can access the classes, but you can get a whole lot of inf written information um, to learn more and just how to ask your practitioner. If you're like, what were those thyroid tests you said again? We have an entire blog post about them to, you can print off and take in and say this, I want this. Can you order me this? <laughs> And then under the, the doctor, under their breath, is going to be like, oh, it's one of these people. That's I know, exactly. <laughs> well, and I do, I do say this too. I always say you can, you, you can, you, it's totally okay to have multiple people on your healthcare team. So mm -hmm. I love my primary care. She's great. Um, she is not at all interested in what I do or her, how I do it, but for a primary care, you know, I hurt myself or I'm sick or I need something like she's great. She's there. So I have somebody else who handles my integrative, functional, holistic type of things. And that's okay. I just have multiple people on my team. So I often will get the pushback from people that go, oh, my doctor won't order that for me. I'm like, we'll keep them if you like them. Um, just find somebody else. Add, add to your healthcare team. It's totally okay. Yeah. You know what? That's like such a great, a great point. I have the same thing. I have different people for different things. And yeah. And then even on, on my side of things, so what we do, there's different people that do do. There's the, the assessment, yeah. there's the remediation yeah. piece. There's like different people that come in. There's, hey, what do I put back in my house? It's not going to be super toxic when I put it in to help yeah. guide on the rebuild and all that stuff. So you, there's a team that you build around there too. Yeah. Um, awesome. Well, I think this was fun. And I think that we just became best friends. I think so too. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> we should hang out more often. I know. 
like just away from each other, just staring at computer screens. Right. Um, cool. Well, thank you so much for doing this. I appreciate it. Um, hopefully everybody found it interesting. I did at least usually if I find it interesting, most people are kind of okay with it. So I think that's okay. Um, cool. Everybody. Perfect. See you later. So that's it for today's show, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment and subscribe and give a rating wherever you get your podcasts. It'll help spread the word to those who really need it the most. 